0: I've got one little tag I want to put onto that, and it just, by coincidence, happened today, but just yesterday, we, uh, in our administrative team, the guy that wrote that song is going to be here on September 8th and then also on Sunday morning the ninth. Now, I told the admin team yesterday, it was the 15th and 16th, but I had it wrong. So it's the 8th and 9th. But the one that wrote that song will be here that day. He's going to be doing a concert for us and doing one on Saturday night for the community to come and then Sunday morning for us. So you'll look forward to that. And uh, Brother Scott has talked to him and knows him real well, I believe. And so it just, uh, what, what's his name, Lawrence Tuning, Lawrence Tuning. And so I know you want to plan on that and be a part of that. If you will, tone with me to Proverbs chapter 3 this morning. I know we've gone a little bit over our time normally, but hey, it's worth it, isn't it? And so it doesn't matter what time it is, God's still in charge of the clock too. So This is Father's Day, and I don't know how other preachers are, I've never really talked to them, but I have a hard time on special occasions like this to get a message ready. It just It just doesn't come easy for me. But it, I want to talk to you today about living the best life, a life of faith. And I think that one of the areas that we men especially, because most churches usually have a lot more women in the church than they do men. Now we're pretty, good, pretty average out here right now, but a lot of times we as guys don't feel like we need the church. A lot of times we even sometimes block our families from going to church. And I say we because I was that way one time. I just refused to go to church. And again, I wasn't raised in church, but at the same time, I became a Christian at a pretty young age. But I turned away from God for a period of time. And I look back now and I can see the mistakes. And I believe, guys, that we the greatest life you can live will be a life committed and dedicated to Jesus Christ. I don't care who you are or where you come from, and that applies to women too, for that matter. I'm just not today's just happened to be Father's Day. But we've been looking at the last few months about how to move from the good life, if you will, and I'm paraphrasing this, how to move from the good life to the best life. And I think we need to have the best. And Jesus Christ desires to give us the best there is, period. There is no exception. I mean, you may not be an executive of some big factory or anything, but God still wants to bless your life in a way that you can't even imagine. And so, yes, I'm speaking to the guys today, the fathers today, but at the same time, it applies to each and every one of us here. Faith is a word that we hear a lot in the church. We use that word quite often. We may hear it so much that we haven't stopped to think about what faith really, how faith really works. I mean, we read the scriptures and so forth, and we Bible study and all the different things that we have at church. We hear about faith all the time. It's a very common word we hear about. But what does it feel like? What does it look like? What does faith act like in our lives? How does it reveal itself to us? How does faith become real to you and I? That's what I want to share with you just this morning. I realize we're behind just a little bit, but hey, God's not on a clock. But we'll, we'll try to finish by 3 o'clock, I promise you. Faith is a virtue that is so huge, It really it's really hard to get our hearts, our minds around what it is. We hear it all the time, but when you really sit down and think about what is faith, then all of a sudden it begins to change what we're talking about. I want to take a stab at this morning to give you what I think to be a simple and clear picture of what faith really looks like. Turn with me, if you haven't yet, to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Now, you probably know these verses inside and out if you've been around the church very long, and it's... Two of the most popular verses in the Bible, in my opinion, and two of the greatest in the Bible. Would you stand with me as we read these verses together? It simply says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this day you've given for each one that's here today on this Father's Day. And, Lord, we just ask that you would just open our hearts and open our minds to receive your word, your blessing. And, Lord, just pour out your blessing on this place this morning. Lord, we've had some fantastic singing this morning, and just some, some great moving songs. But, Lord, now let us hear your word. And, Lord, hide me behind this sacred desk up here, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words coming through. Thank you, Lord. Go with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. That sounds pretty generic, doesn't it? But let's break that down a little bit. First of all, what does it mean to trust? Anytime you trust, you're putting your you're risking something. I I used to be in sales and I had to go to sales meetings and so forth, and I remember. They would do sometimes they'd do these little things a little uh sort of demonstrations against thing would be where one person would stand down here a man or a woman and then a guy a guy or girl behind her, and she would literally just fall backwards, trusting that person to catch her now obviously you know what happens if it don't and I think I missed mine one time no i'm I'm kidding, but it but it's that's trust that's exactly what Jesus is saying here hes saying, "Are you willing to trust me enough to?" blindly fall backwards and expect me to catch you? Are you trusting me that much? Are you stepping out in faith to trust? Faith is a good word. But it becomes risky when it becomes you. It becomes something that we've got to be careful about. And I'm afraid that's what's coming to the church nowadays is that we've gotten so afraid of risking something for God we don't do anything for God many times. And there are churches have literally, I believe, lost God out of their church many times. Oh, I pray, and oh, I hope, and oh, I anything you want to put into it, if that day ever comes to this church, we close it down immediately and get out of this business, or get back where God wants us to be. I do not believe we're where God wants us to be, folks. We can always do more. And that's what I want to share with you this morning: Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Anytime you trust anybody, it involves the word "risk" to some point. Anytime you actually get into life rather than just trying to escape life, there's a risk involved in every bit of it. Jesus said it like this: "Those who want to serve the, uh, excuse me, those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who are willing to lose their life for me will find it." That's not my words. That's Jesus' words. Did you hear what he just said? For those that are trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. For those that are willing to give your life, you'll find out what God's really got for each one of us. And, oh, what a difference that is in us. If you want to play it safe with your life, you're going to lose all that you've got. Well, wait a minute. I'm at least 25 years old now, and I haven't lost much. Give it time, you will. Give it time, you will. Life is a risk, folks, in every part of it. Everything we do requires a risk. Anytime you step out, you're risking something. Anytime you go outside this church and talk to somebody off the street or at Walmart or wherever it may be, you're risking something. You're always risking something. But the rewards of that risk are so great in God's kingdom. What a beautiful place. Let's go a little farther. I'm trying to figure out how to word this. If you want to play it safe with your life, you're going to lose all that you're meant to be in Christ. You're going to lose all that you're meant to be. But if you're willing to risk giving your life away to, Christ, to God and releasing your life to God, you're going to experience blessings that you would never believe before. God has a way of getting us where he wants us to be. So faith is risking. There's a scene in the, anybody ever seen the Indiana Jones movies? Now, I don't watch too many movies, but I like the, that series. of I believe there was three or four of them if I recall that. Right. But there's a scene in the third Indiana Jones Movie where he has to go through all these traps in order to save his father. He's trying to save his father. The last trap as he comes to the edge of the cliff is a deep chasm in front of him. He's told to take a step forward into what seems to be nothingness. And when he does, he lands on a ledge just a few feet below. Now, that's a picture of the Christian life. We come to church, and we, we put our faith in things, and but yet when it comes to, well, are you ready to step off this cliff for me? Oh, no, Lord, I can't do that. In other words, God's not big enough to save me from that. He can save me if I just jump down to this step or the other step. But if I jump off the cliff, God can't save me from that. Now, we may not say that, but we think it a lot and we believe it a lot. That God is willing to whatever we do. If God gives us a command that we can trust Him, just like those people that you can stand behind them and just trust you, trust you to catch them as they fall. I was thinking the other day about our seniors of the school. Think about the risks that they're taking coming out of school. They finish their high school. Well, that that'll be a good thing. What's wrong with that? They're going to be making choices as Teenagers that will probably affect the rest of their life. They're taking the risk. Everything we do is a risk, if you think about it, or can be a risk. But then we go to the next part. I like this. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, I would like to think that sometimes I understand things pretty good. But compared to God, I don't even have a clue what he's talking about sometimes. I don't understand the faith concept totally. I don't understand the depravity of man sometimes. I don't understand why God would love me enough to go to that cross and die for me. I just can't get my hands around that. I don't understand what it is. The Scripture said there is a way, a path that seems right to us. There is, of course, a life that seems, also, so, seems so right, but a lot of times that so right path that we think about ends in disaster. If I were to ask you this morning, now don't raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but have you ever been on a path where you thought was right and boy, you were just sold on it and it was the way you were supposed to go and all of a sudden it came crashing down. All of us have, to some degree. We've all been there. That's exactly what this is talking about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. That's what we can trust. It's not our words. It's not our background. It's not our experience. It's God. In the middle of it. Now I could. Carl's been gone about two years. now. Hasn't it, has it been two years? Pretty close there. He left here private and came back a general. Well, maybe not quite. But I it, but it mean, Carl's an inspiration. If you couldn't tell from him playing that piano. And he also sings real good too. He didn't sing, but he can. But I remember when he left. I mean, we hadn't been here but three or four months, four, five months, whatever it was. And I thought, God, what are you doing to us? We just—we did a music director, just took him away. But you know, God always supplies something. We may not have a call anymore, but we can still do the job God calls us to do. And sometimes in our lives, we get to expecting something, used to something perhaps. And all of a sudden, God takes him out of the picture, and we think the world is going to come crashing down. I mean, yeah, we miss Carl, and I'd love to have him back here. But guess what? Robertson Avenue Baptist Church didn't close down. And he'd be the first one to tell you that he didn't, it didn't keep going because he was here either. But that's exactly what faith is. When things happen, when challenges come, we pick up and go forward. Do you realize what we do with God many times? We do things like this. Now, let me share this little story with you. I come across this story of the day, and it's supposed to be a true one. When uh, Charles Ketering was the executive over General Motors, one day he had a problem that was coming up, and they couldn't figure out what was going on with one of the the a reason, something that was messing up. So he called all of his engineers in to solve a very difficult problem. He, but he, when he did, he put a sign on the door, and here's what it said. Now, this is a few years ago, so you'll reckon, some of you may not know what calculators or anything are anymore since we've got computers, but he says, leave your calculators, your slide rules right here. And he put a box out there and said, put them in there. Don't bring them in the room. He put a little table there for them to place those objects on. He knew, he said, that if those engineers came in with their slide rulers, their calculators, then he, and then he would say something like this, here is a solution, and they would try to say, no way, that just can't work. Isn't that exactly how we do God sometimes? God says, here's the solution. Oh, no, God, you got this one wrong. You need to listen to me. That's the way we do it. I mean, we may not say those words, but that's the way we think about it. And so do you realize that that's what we do with God. We do it with the God all the time. The moment in our lives when we need a sign that says, Leave your mere human reasoning here. Oh, no, God, we can't do that. I can't do that. You've got to have me, God. Look how important I am. And God says, No, I don't. I can bring up the rocks to cry out to me if I want to. So there's a moment in our lives of faith and growth when you're going to have to trust Him. Much more than the way we figure life out. Guys, I think we're probably more in tune to that than we are anything else. We want to see things. We want to feel things. We want to make sure this is the right way. Well, let's don't make a decision until we we look at this real good. And we analyze it and overanalyze it. And God says, why don't you just step out and do it? Why don't you just get up and do it? The key word here is, is "rely upon God." Faith is relying upon God to trust the to rely to trust, just to rely. Faith is saying, "God, I rely upon Your way and not my way." God, I rely upon Your way and not my way. That's what faith is. That we believe that God's going to be there regardless of what takes place. A lot of people that f- think faith is about Just being optimistic. But faith is is not being pessimistic or optimistic. Some of you are optimists by your personalities. Some of you are pessimists by your personalities. The optimist sees the glass as half full. The pessimist always sees it as half empty. A person of faith sees the glass just firmly enough held in God's hands. And the person of faith is the one who knows that no matter what they can say or do, they can always rely upon God. No matter what you're facing. No matter the challenges that are in front of you. No matter as you raise your teenagers and you're thinking, why did I have kids in the first place? Why, why, why? You know that God's still in control. Here's a picture of faith that was has made its way to a lot of refrigerators but refrigerator doors but i like this listen to this at first i saw god as a as i as my observer or my judge keeping track of all things i had done wrong so as to know whether i merited heaven or hell when i died later on when i met christ it seemed as though life was rather like a back ride but it was a tandem back and i noticed that christ was in the back, helping me to pedal. I don't know just when it was he suggested that we change places, but he did. And life has never been the same since. When I was in control, I thought he I knew the way. But it was rather boring and always very predictable. It was always the shortest distance between two points. But when Christ took the lead, he knew these delightful shortcuts up the mountains, through the rocky places, at breakneck speeds, all I could do was hang on. And even though it looked like madness, he said, Just pedal is all you have to do. I worried. I was anxious. I asked, Where are you taking me? And he would just laugh and answer. I started to learn to trust him. I forgot my boring life, and I entered into his adventure, this adventure with Christ. When I would say I'm scared, he would just lean back, touch my hand, And I didn't trust trust him at first at my controls. I thought he would wreck, but I learned he knows some back secrets. He knows how to make it bend around the sharp curves. He knows how to jump the clear high rocks. I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest of places. I am beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful constant companion named Jesus Christ. And when, I just, when I'm just sure that I can't do it anymore, he just smiles and says, just keep pedaling. Yeah, I don't know who wrote that. I don't know where it came from. I just come across it a week or two ago. But I thought, that is so accurate of our lives. We want to be in front and let Jesus ride along with us. And Jesus says, no, I don't take second place. I'm in the first place. Then we come to the next part of this very shortly. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Let me ask you something. How many is all? All. Did you hear what the Bible just said? In all your ways acknowledge Him. It didn't say 99%. It didn't even say 98.5%. It said in all of your ways acknowledge Him. Who is He? If a friend walks into the room, you'd acknowledge him. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bob. How you doing, sir? What about when Jesus walks in the room? Do you acknowledge him? Do you recognize him for who he is? When God walks into your life, how do you acknowledge him? Do you acknowledge him by obeying him, right? Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ in your life by obeying him? We as church members fall way short of obedience many times. Every one of us. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me it's a daily daily battle every day. I've got to remind myself that I'm not in control. He is. But sometimes I let it slip. God, if you'll listen to me, we can get through this. And God says, I listened to you the first 20 years of your life, and look what you did with it. Now listen to me. Let me pedal. To acknowledge God is to obey Him. You acknowledge Him by doing what He says because He's our Maker. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. Now, why does God want us to obey Him? We went over this. We've been over this before, but He doesn't want us to obey Him to make our life miserable. He wants us to obey Him so that He can give us all the blessings He's got for us. Do you realize that God wants to do nothing more than give you blessings? He wants to pour out His blessings on us. Dads, it's a tough job being a father. I've got two sons. They're both grown now, of course, but I didn't think one of them was going to make it to be 18, let alone live longer than that. But God wants to give you blessings. Blessings. And God wants to give them to you as the father of the house. God designated that the father ought to be the spiritual leader of the house. Don't raise your hands, but Dad, how many of you are spiritual leaders in your house? It's not too late. Yes, I've got grandkids now. But yet I still have an influence over those grandkids, even though they're grown. You see, God wants to give us the best path in life He can give us. And that's a life of Jesus Christ. Do you merely listen to the words and so deceive yourself when you read the Bible? Listen to this carefully. It's not about coming to church and listening to somebody perform music. It's not about listening to music or listening to someone else sing or whatever it may be. It's about engaging your own heart in praise of God. Those songs we sing, yeah, they may be. Now, I'm old, so I like the old songs personally. I like some of the new stuff. I I really do. I, I enjoy it and enjoy singing it and playing it and so forth. But I like it. But I just love those old hymns we've sang for years and years. The old rugged cross. Just all of them are just so Beautiful. But I know that doesn't apply to me. In fact, if it's up to me, we'd have nothing but Southern gospel music in here. But I know some wouldn't like that. They wouldn't come back for it. But I enjoy it. It's not about the music, folks. Did you realize we have churches, Baptist churches now, that are splitting and going out of business because of the kind of music some of them play? They're getting out of the business. That should not happen. If it's God-honoring music, it's, it's got to be good. Now, I may not like the title, the tune, and all the things that go in with but it's still if it honors God. That's what's important. That's where we ought to be at. I've been fooling myself, some people have to say. I've been coming to church week after week after week. I've been listening to somebody talk about the Bible. I've been fooling myself because I'm not doing anything about it. Do you realize if you just come here to church... That's not pleasing to God. God wants you to come to church and worship. He wants you to come to church and hear what God's Word saying. God wants us to come and be a part of a service. To sing along. To join in. Just to have a, a feeling of worship as you come. That's what church is really all about. Oftentimes, obedience comes to rest on one area of your life. Some of you think, well, I'm doing pretty good with God in this area. And we think that's good enough. And if you keep that one area and say, God, you can have the rest of my life, but I don't want to give this up. Be careful. That's a dangerous place to be. You can't have this. we got to do something else. And the last part he says, and he will make your pathway straight. Did you hear that? He'll make your pathway straight. He didn't say it wouldn't be bumpy. He didn't say it's going to be a nice road. He said he'll make it straight if we'll give him a chance to. Now, some of you have listened to this and struggle with a message like this because you're thinking, well, if I do what you're saying, then I've I got to trust God with my whole life. What am I going to have to give up? That's a good, honest question. Because the fact is, Jesus did this quite often. He didn't make it always easy for people to follow him. It was not an easy choice for people to fall in line with him. He let them know, if you follow me, you're going to suffer for it. There will be people that attack you because you're a Christian. Now, I never thought in my life I would see those days coming. But, folks, I think we're almost in those days right here in our country. Christians are the most attacked people on television at least anymore. And don't be surprised if the day comes in our lifetimes when people will start literally attacking Christian people. Now, that's a good honest question about that. But what, what do we do then? Because the fact is, again, Jesus does this quite often if you read about him. He didn't make it easy for people to follow him. But I like to turn that question around the other way and ask this. If you don't take the risk of faith, if you don't give up Christ, uh, for, to Christ, give, your, Christ give Christ your whole life, what are you going to give up? What security and peace are you going to give up if you don't do it? What adventure from God are you going to give up that He's got planned for you? And if you've ever given your life to Christ, what does that mean to eternity? I read a story the other day, and this is a true story. In fact, this happened in 2002. It's one of the most amazing stories I've ever read. Listen to this I'm going to read it to you. There's a story about a man named Lloyd Scott, he was a runner in the London Marathon in 2002. Out of 32,875 runners, he finished 32,875th. He was dead last. But let me share what he did, why he was last. He ran the entire race encased in a 130-pound 1940s deep-sea diving suit. He ran the entire race wearing 22 pound lead sole boots. He ran the entire marathon wearing a 40 pound copper helmet on his head and a 15 pound weight around his neck. And throughout the marathon, he had 16 helpers running alongside him, mostly to help pick him up when he fell, and he did that several times. He started the race on, on Sunday, April fourteenth, two 2002, and at 9.45 a.m., he clanked across the finish line on Friday, April 19th at 6.15 p.m. Now, why in the world would somebody do that? I mean, it sounds totally ignorant, doesn't it? <laughs> but listen this. Why did he do this? He did it because he was a former ca- pa- uh, cancer patient. He ran the race to raise money for cancer patients. He said, somebody's going to be diagnosed with cancer and they're going to think, if this nutty guy can run this marathon in a diving suit, there's got to be hope for me. Someone cares enough for me to run a marathon in a diving suit. I want to ask you this morning, how do you know that God cares about you? Really? How do you know that? How do you know that God's got the best plan for your life that He can give you. Not just a good life, but the best life. He didn't put on a diving suit, but you know what He did? He put on flesh and came down to this earth. And He said, Those people sitting in Robertson Avenue Baptist Church on this day in history, without me, have no hope. And He went to the cross which is far more painful than running in a deep sea suit. And I don't even know what one is, I can't describe it, but it just I guarantee you, Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and I. He stuck at his arms and said, I love you this much. And they nailed those hands to the cross. They buried him. He was dead. He wasn't just asleep, he was dead, folks. And on the third day, God says, "Come alive, my son." And He come bursting forth from that grave. That's the reason you and I have hope today. Because of that, that's what Jesus did for us. Now let me ask, ask you the last question this morning. So what are you going to do for him? In just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. There may be somebody here that does not know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you, don't leave this building without talking to somebody. Our deacons will be on here on the side in just a moment. And they'll be glad to talk to you. Anybody else will for that matter. Don't leave this building without Jesus. There's not a person in this room can say with assurity, I'll be back next week. You don't know that. Every day of the week, people die on the highways thinking that they would have been somewhere next week. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for a church home. If God's speaking to you and telling you to make this your church home, then we welcome you with open arms and open hearts. We've got a lot of work to do in our community. Maybe God's just saying, Jesus, need to bow and pray, perhaps. Maybe you've been fighting a demon in your life. You've been doing something. Just Maybe you need to just stop at the steps and just pray. Again. There will be people to pray for if you want them to. That's up to you. But remember, all that God gave for you, and He wants the best for you, don't walk out the doors without Him. Don't go outside this door. I know I've used this several times, but you can walk outside these doors. You can walk on that parking lot. Turn your face toward heaven. Shake your fist as hard as you could toward God and say, God, in case I haven't told you, I hate you, God. And God's response to you would be, but I love you. You can't do anything to get out of the love of God. You just can't do it. Do you know Jesus Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior? Do you need a church home? Do you need a place where you can be a part? Let's stand together. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. Lord, as we come to close this service, we just ask that you would be with us. Lord, we thank you for each father that's here today. And, Lord, we just thank you for the fathers because they mean so much to our families. And so many families need to have a strong father figure in their family. Lord, we just pray that you give us, as men, the courage to be what we need to be. Lord, we thank you for this time today. Just ask that you go with us now through this verse of invitation. We're not going to tarry long, but we'll be here. If anybody needs to step out, today is the day of salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.